back. Welcome to Friend Crush. I'm your host, Amber Akilla. This is my podcast where I talk about stuff and things, cute, chaotic, and critical thinking. I am a DJ slash multidisciplinary creative internet girl slash concept that is beamed through whatever device you listen to this podcast from. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Tumblr, Spotify, SoundCloud for mixes and music and YouTube and uh, the main page for this podcast is at friend.crush on Instagram. I love receiving feedback and hearing from listeners. It means so much to me because I do everything for this podcast by myself basically So it's so wild that once it's out in the world, people listen to it and might, it might, you know, play some kind of role in other people's journey, the way that it's played a big part in my own. I think it's really helped me to just like sort through ideas and concepts and like the process of being able to research or write and talk about a specific topic allows me to then further develop it later down the line and I'm very grateful for the space that I feel listeners to the podcast give me to explore an idea and then you know further develop it in another way later down the line because life is all about change and adapting to change and making this podcast helps me to remind myself of that because I definitely don't feel like I have all the answers. I definitely don't feel like anything that I say has to be an absolute truth. It's just like coming from me where I am in any given moment. And I definitely get caught up in the same things that listeners to the podcast, I'm sure also get caught up in, but I feel like more and more I'm able to accept and embrace this process of accepting things as they are. And then, you know, taking time to reflect and then put in the effort to really decide what sort of like productive actions I can take towards my higher self, towards being hot and having fun, towards living a slay life. So thank you for joining me today. Today's topic is pre-30 panic slash quarter life crisis such a huge topic to tackle I've been thinking about it for a really long time and the time has come for me to record and to try to organize thoughts and feelings around this topic I think for me I'm in my late 20s now and my relationship to my age has changed a lot over the last few years and I kind of am looking forward to getting older and turning 30 because I feel like I will have more authority when I tell people I'm 30. Like before the age of 30, people are like, oh, you're still young. Like you don't really know anything about anything. But after 30, I think it's when your age can start to work in your favor in terms of it's like when you're younger your youth is kind of being exploited by other people fetishized by other people pedestaled and I feel like it's much harder to really own your age 
when you're younger. But I see so many people past the age of 30 that I really admire who own where they're at in life because they're so much more confident and accepting of who they are because they've just lived longer. They've had more time to explore what it is they really want and to apply themselves in a way that is meaningful to them. When you're younger, you just haven't been alive long enough. So that time is for you to really experiment. And of course, you continue this process as you get older. But I think when you get older, you have a much clearer idea of what you want because your brain is actually more developed and you've just had more time to experience and process things. But I think especially now, especially in the age of social media, we're just exposed to opportunities to see what life can be like beyond just your 20s but then also the flip side of that is so much pressure to feel like we have to have done all of these things in our 20s at the same time and I'll discuss that later in today's episode. I think a good starting point would be maybe like just describing what my perspective on life is I guess because The way that you feel about your age and like the way that your life is progressing, I think is going to be informed by what you think the purpose of being alive is. And it's important to interrogate and become aware of what those core beliefs are in order to then assess like how you go about your life. Because I think that, you know, more and more we are conditioned to think that our value comes only from our external achievements, like your work status, your relationship status, how many friends you have, how many things you own, the price of the things that you own. And ultimately for me, I have come to realize that or and ultimately for me more and more I'm able to accept that those things are important to your life they're part of your life but being able to tick all those boxes however you define them isn't going to inherently bring you a sense of satisfaction and you know as I always say now for me life is about being hot and having fun okay like it's just If you have any amount of privilege to be able to get an education, earn money, have access to the internet, have shelter and food and get to enjoy your life, I think that it's a waste of your life to just worry all the time about what you don't have because it's so easy to forget how much you do have. Like literally anytime I watch the news or watch a documentary about like climate change or how society is falling apart. It's like I'm constantly reminded of how lucky I am. And I think for most of the people that are listening to the podcast, like you probably fall within that same sort of broad category, like living in a country or a place where you have shelter, where you don't have to worry about like your living room being flooded because of climate change on a daily basis. So being able to like self-empower from within and not just rely on external markers of success is what then allows us to think of ways to facilitate that for other people and to support other people in it instead of just judging yourself and judging everyone on what they have or haven't achieved by a certain age. And I think that like recently I've been rereading The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem by Nathaniel Brandon, which is a book that I talk about a lot in the podcast and I recommend to everybody if you just are kind of like trying to figure out how to approach your life, what the purpose of being alive is. And he defines, I have the book right here, 
This is how he defines self-esteem according to this book. And of course, he acknowledges that the definition could be improved. And he talks about how it's a really difficult concept to sort of narrow down into just like a basic definition and then further expands to talk about how a disservice is done if people are offered feel-good notions of self-esteem that divorce it from questions of consciousness, responsibility, and moral choice. So if I keep that in mind, to me, like growing old or getting older is about furthering that process of being able to explore what makes you happy in life. It's not something that I dread as much when I think about it in that way because I believe that, you know, I am here to be hot and have fun, experience happiness, to put in the effort required to live a life that I find enjoyable. And he talks about the face of self-esteem. So what does self-esteem look like? There are some fairly simple and direct ways in which self-esteem manifests itself in ourselves and others. None of these items taken in isolation is a guarantee, but when all are present together, self-esteem seems certain. Self-esteem expresses itself in a face, manner, and a way of talking and moving that projects the pleasure one takes in being alive. It expresses itself in an ease in talking of accomplishments or shortcomings with directness and honesty, since one is in friendly relationship to facts. It expresses itself in the comfort one experiences in giving and receiving compliments, expressions of affection, appreciation, and the like. It expresses itself in an openness to criticism and a comfort about acknowledging mistakes because one's self-esteem is not tied to an image of being perfect. It expresses itself when one's words and movements tend to have a quality of ease and spontaneity, reflecting the fact that one is not at war with oneself. It expresses itself in harmony between what one says and does and how one looks, sounds and moves. It expresses itself in an attitude of openness to curiosity about new ideas, new experiences, new possibilities of life. It expresses itself in the fact that feelings of anxiety or insecurity, if they appear, will be less likely to intimidate or overwhelm since accepting them, managing them, and rising above them rarely feel impossibly difficult. It expresses itself in an ability to enjoy the humorous aspects of life in oneself and others. It expresses itself in one's flexibility in responding to situations and challenges, since one trusts one's mind and does not see life as doom or defeat. It expresses itself in one's comfort with assertive, not belligerent behavior in oneself and others. It expresses itself in an ability to preserve a quality of harmony and dignity under conditions of stress. Then on the purely physical level, we can observe characteristics such as these. We see eyes that are alert, bright and lively, a face that is relaxed and, barring illness, tends to exhibit natural color and good skin vibrancy a chin that is held naturally and in alignment with the body, and a relaxed jaw. We see shoulders relaxed yet erect, hands that tend to be relaxed and graceful, and arms that tend to hang in an easy, natural way, a posture that tends to be unstrained, erect, well-balanced, a walk that tends to be purposeful without being aggressive and overbearing. We hear a voice that tends to be modulated with an intensity appropriate to the situation and with clear pronunciation. Notice that the theme of relaxation occurs again and again. Relaxation implies that we are not hiding from ourselves and are not at war with who we are. Chronic tension conveys a message of some form of internal split, some form of self-avoidance or self-repudiation, some aspects of the self being disowned or held on a very tight leash. So... There's literally so much, like I could just read this whole book to you. (laughs) I'm going to get more into like the pre-30 panic part, but I just want to illustrate the foundation that I now try to return to in order to 
quell the feeling of anxiety about getting older because the last few years especially I mean every year I feel like because I try to learn from the experiences that I have because I want to be able to become a better version of myself a wiser version of myself I can respect the fact that it takes time and effort to do that it's not like you read a book or you read a profound sentence and then the next day you're a different person. You need to hold that concept in your mind and continue to return to it and apply it over over an extended period of time to really feel and experience its effects on your life and to see the way that you approach life shift and then to reap the rewards or to build resilience so that you can better face challenges. Like I'm who I am today because of the lessons that I learned in the past. And I, if I didn't have that time to apply what I learned, then I would never, my 25-year-old self, my 23-year-old self wouldn't be able to do, just couldn't be where I'm at now because I also respect that my journey is for me to experience. You know, it's a part of other people's lives too, the same way that other people's lives and journeys intersect with mine. But ultimately... I can see so much more clearly about how once you become an adult, like it's your responsibility to dictate the direction of your life. And it's easy to get trapped in this feeling of like a powerlessness or a lack of control when you haven't yet gotten to that point of awareness, which is totally normal and very common and also difficult to maintain once you even have it. But I think that returning to some kind of foundation that is actually like going to support you in growing and moving forward and further exploring life, further exploring yourself is so much more helpful than assuming that time is like doom in a sense. I mean, living more brings you closer to death, but that is just the price of being alive. And that is just the nature of being alive in general. You know, like we're not special in the fact that we're born and then we die. But I think it's really easy when you're overwhelmed with anxiety or you let your anxiety get the best of you to bury yourself in that feeling. And whenever I feel like I've gotten to that sort of place, I always try to zoom out and see life from a bird's eye view and think about what I want to contribute to the people around me or like the environment that I'm in because sometimes you know your self-worth can feel so damaged or you can feel so low that it doesn't even seem worthwhile to do anything for yourself right so I think in times like that that's when it's important to lean on other people or to lean on this like collective experience and to think well me not being in a good place means that I'm not making a positive contribution to the people's lives that I care about. And that is equally as important to me as like me having a good time at some point. So, you know, it's like this kind of like push and pull. Sometimes you need to focus on prioritizing yourself when someone is taking advantage of you. And sometimes when you're self-sabotaging, you need to think about other people and like whether or not you want to be a negative presence in other people's lives if you want to make other people's lives harder or easier or if you want to bring joy or like stress to the lives of others so taking those moments I think helps me a lot has helped me a lot in the past reading the six pillars of self-esteem helped me a lot and then I just want to touch on another point that he makes um which I will 
refer to later in terms of the way that we compare ourselves to others, but he talks about the illusion of self-esteem. So when self-esteem is low, we are often manipulated by fear, fear of reality to which we feel inadequate. Fear of facts about ourselves or others that we have denied, disowned or repressed. Fear of the collapse of our pretenses. Fear of exposure. Fear of the humiliation of failure and sometimes the responsibilities of success. We live more to avoid pain than to experience joy. If we feel that crucial aspects of reality with which we must deal are hopelessly closed to our understanding, if we face the key problems of life with a basic sense of helplessness, if we feel that we dare not pursue lines of thought because of the unworthy features of our own character that would be brought to light, if we feel in any sense whatever that reality is the enemy of our self-esteem, these fears tend to sabotage the efficacy of consciousness, thereby worsening the initial problem. If we face the basic problems of life with an attitude of who am I to know, who am I to judge, who am I to decide, or is it dangerous to be conscious, or is it futile to try to think or understand, we are undercut at the outset. A mind does not struggle for that which it regards as impossible or undesirable. Not not that the level of our self-esteem determines our thinking, the causation is not that simple. What self-esteem affects is our emotional incentives. Our feelings tend to encourage or discourage thinking, to draw us towards facts, truth and reality or away from them, toward efficacy or away from it. That is why the first steps of building self-esteem can be difficult. We are challenged to raise the level of our consciousness in the face of emotional resistance. We need to challenge the belief that our interests are best served by blindness. What makes the project often difficult is our feeling that it is only our unconsciousness that makes life bearable. Until we can dispute this idea, we cannot begin to grow in self-esteem. The danger is that we become prisoners of our negative self-image. We allow it to dictate our actions. We define ourselves as mediocre or weak or cowardly or ineffectual and our performance reflects this definition. While we are capable of challenging and acting contrary to our negative self-image, and many people do so, at least on some occasions, the factor that tends to stand in the way is our resignation to our own state. We submit to feelings of psychological determinism. We tell ourselves we are powerless. We are rewarded for doing so in that we do not have to take risks or awaken from our passivity. So, you know, these feelings of inadequacy are common. And I think as I get older, I struggle with them less, but it doesn't mean I don't struggle with them. But again, I appreciate that time has given me the ability to have perspective on these things and to work through them so that new challenges are easier or like, you know, I'm more open to new challenges because I have enough evidence of me working through previous challenges to know that I can handle it or there is nothing that I can't get myself through if I am determined enough but then we I wanted to talk about pseudo self-esteem so sometimes we see people who enjoy worldly success are widely esteemed or who have a public veneer of assurance and yet are deeply dissatisfied anxious or depressed they may project the appearance of self-efficacy and self-respect they may have the persona of self-esteem but do not possess the reality how might we understand them we have noted that to the extent we fail to develop authentic self-esteem, the consequence is varying degrees of anxiety, insecurity, and self-doubt. This is the sense of being, in effect, inappropriate to existence, though of course no one thinks of it in those terms. Perhaps instead one thinks something is wrong with me or I am lacking something essential. This state tends to be painful, and because it is painful, we are often motivated to evade it, to deny our fears, rationalize our behavior, and to create the appearance of a self-esteem we do not possess. We may develop what I have termed pseudo-self-esteem. 
totally relate to this clause or this section because I feel like only in retrospect am I able to see the times in my life where I was not aware of this underlying belief that I had that I wasn't good enough or I didn't have the skills or I wasn't capable of doing something and then creating or pursuing goals that would create this illusion or like distract me from what I was really not ready to face or not even aware that I needed to face and I think everybody goes through something like this at some point in their life and it's not about determining whether you're a good or a bad person because of it it just makes you a person but also relinquishing judgment for yourself and others when you notice it in yourself and when you notice it in others having empathy and being able to recognize that everyone is on their own journey and you don't need to make a value judgment about somebody because they're coming at you from like a quote-unquote unconscious place you know And I think that this also plays into the way that we see age, like just because someone is a certain age doesn't guarantee that they have their life more together or they feel that their life is more together than someone who is of a different age. You just never know what someone is going through because you don't even really know what you're going through until you've gone through it. So worry less about where other people are at and focus on yourself is the key. Anyway, I'll just read a little bit more about pseudo self-esteem. So Pseudo self-esteem is the illusion of self-efficacy and self-respect without the reality. It is a non-rational self-protective device to diminish anxiety and to provide a spurious sense of security, to assuage our need for authentic self-esteem while allowing the real causes of its lack to remain unexamined. It's based on values unrelated to that which genuine self-efficacy and self-respect require, although sometimes the values are not without merit in their own context. For example, a large house can certainly represent a legitimate value, but it is not an appropriate measure or proof of personal efficacy or virtue. On the other hand, acceptance into a gang of criminals is not normally a rational value, nor does it strengthen authentic self-esteem, which is not to say it may not provide a temporary illusion of security or sense of having a quote-unquote home or of quote-unquote belonging. Nothing is more common than to pursue self-esteem by means that will not and cannot work. Instead of seeking self-esteem through consciousness, responsibility, and integrity, we may seek it through popularity, material acquisitions, or sexual exploits. Instead of valuing personal authenticity, we may value belonging to the right clubs or the right church or the right political party. Instead of practicing appropriate self-assertion, we may practice uncritical compliance to our particular group. Instead of seeking self-respect through honesty, we may seek it through philanthropy. I must be a good person. I do quote unquote good works. Instead of striving for the power of competence, the ability to achieve genuine values, we may pursue the power of manipulating or controlling other people. The possibilities of self-deception are almost endless. All the blind alleys down which we can lose ourselves, not realizing that what we desire cannot be purchased with counterfeit currency. Self-esteem is an intimate experience. It resides in the core of one's being. It is what I think and feel about myself, not what someone else thinks or feels about me. This simple fact can hardly be overemphasized. I can be loved by my family, my mate, my friends, 
and yet not love myself. I can be admired by my associates and yet regard myself as worthless. I can project an image of assurance and poise that fools almost everyone and yet secretly tremble with a sense of my inadequacy. I can fulfill the expectations of others and yet fail my own. I can win every honor and yet feel I have accomplished nothing. I can be adored by millions yet wake up each morning with a sickening sense of fraudulence and emptiness. To attain quote-unquote success, without attaining positive self-esteem is to be condemned to a feeling like an imposter anxiously awaiting exposure. The acclaim of others does not create our self-esteem. Neither does erudition, material possessions, marriage, parenthood, philanthropic endeavors, sexual conquests, or facelifts. These things can sometimes make us feel better about ourselves temporarily or more comfortable in particular situations, but comfort is not self-esteem. The tragedy of many people's lives is that they look for self-esteem in every direction except within, and so they fail in their search. So in this book, we shall see that positive self-esteem is best understood as a spiritual attainment, that is, a victory in the evolution of consciousness. When we begin to understand self-esteem in this way, we appreciate the foolishness of believing that if we can only manage to make a positive impression on others, we will enjoy good self-regard. We will stop telling ourselves, if only I get one more more promotion, if only I become a wife and mother, if only I am perceived to be a good provider, if only I can afford a bigger car, if I can write one more book, acquire one more company, one more lover, one more award, one more acknowledgement of my selflessness, then will I really feel at peace with myself. If self-esteem is a judgment that I am appropriate to life, the experience of competence and worth, if self-esteem is self-affirming and and consciousness, a mind that trusts itself, no one can generate and sustain this experience except myself. The ultimate source of self-esteem is and can only be internal, in what we do, not what others do. When we seek it in externals, in the actions and responses of others, we invite tragedy. So there's a lot more to say. Um, about self-esteem just for clarification he says that certainly it is wiser to seek companions who are the friends of our self-esteem rather than its enemies nurturing relationships are obviously preferable to toxic ones but to look to others as a primary source of our self-value is dangerous first because it doesn't work and second because it exposes us to the danger of becoming approval addicts i do not wish to suggest that a psychologically healthy person is unaffected by the feedback he or she receives from others we are social beings and certainly others contribute to our self-perceptions as we will discuss but there are immense differences among people in the relative importance of their self-esteem of the feedback they receive persons for whom it is almost the only factor of importance and persons for whom the importance is a good deal less. There is merely another way of saying there are immense differences among people in the degree of their autonomy. I am persuaded that the most effective means of liberation is by raising the level of consciousness one brings to their own experience. The more one turns up the volume on one's inner signals, the more external signs tend to recede into proper balance. This is basically the thesis of my approach to why or how you can minimize the dread that you feel when you are kind of feeling like you're in a quarter life crisis or you're having pre-30 panic because like I said, time is what gives us the ability to make choices in service of our best self or of the person that we want to be. And you need to take time to continue to like adjust and become aware of how you're shaping that, how you are working towards it. And of course, there's going to be, you know, detours and there's going to be forks in the road. There's going to be challenges, but it's having something 
that you really want that's true to you and holding on to that and working towards it in spite of what other people might say about you that is what is going to bring you true satisfaction in life and it's not always going to be an easy path you know there are so many things that I have done that I haven't really enjoyed I haven't really understood the purpose of that haven't felt authentic to me but I appreciate those experiences because then I'm like okay I don't want to have to go through that shit again (laughs) I've learned my lesson it might have taken six days six weeks six years however long it takes once you've come out the other side of it that's that's the most important part that you developed awareness at some point and you made a choice and I think that like he says here it's like the acclaim of others does not create our self-esteem and I think when we're having an existential crisis about where our life is at we're thinking more about how it is perceived to other people because other people recognize that I'm 25 28 30 there needs to be something that I've done or something that I can show for my age to other people in order for them to see me as valid and I think that if you think about your life and your goals for this existence as being based on developing a healthy self-esteem in order to experience happiness you'll realize that other people's opinion of you is not as important as your opinion of yourself and often your opinion of yourself is very quiet and buried in the back of your mind like like you said with pseudo self-esteem you're developing this persona to appease others and hide and run from yourself when you take the time to become aware of what isn't authentic to you that you're presenting to others and what you truly want or deconstructing untangling the beliefs that might be holding you back then you're able to worry less about what other people think because you're now more focused on what you think I think that is like one of the hardest things about being alive is having the courage to pursue what is true for you and to continue to pursue it because there are times where I have gone full detour from what I really want and it's taken me a long time to get back on track and it's so it feels so hard or unfamiliar because I'm doing it for me like I have to be the one to sit with my decisions it's easy to play into other people's expectations of you but the thing is it's like other people don't really give a shit you know it's fun to look at you and cheer you on, but they don't have to live your life. And if you're appeasing other people's expectations at the expense of your own happiness, it's a dead end. Like it's a tragedy. So that's kind of like the foundation that I would approach this like pre-30 panic with. I feel like I want to leave this episode here and do a part two where I talk more about like general analysis and like unpacking where the pre-30 panic comes from and how else to approach it but I think that it's important to have a foundation in terms of like how I try to approach life in order to manage the feelings of dread that come up in general and then also in relation to aging so let me know if that was interesting for you I'll see you in the next episode and I'll go into more detail. But I hope that, you know, extracts from this book give you some food for thought. And I'm sorry I couldn't fit everything in one episode. Honestly, like the, the notes that I have for this episode, there's like so many. And I feel like if I started going into it in more detail, then we would be here for like three hours. And I don't, I want this to be like digestible for people. But you know, basically the crux of this episode is like, you know, don't compare yourself to others. And when I can like bring myself back to a place where I'm focusing on how to have a healthy self-esteem so that I 
can experience happiness because I feel worthy of joy because I feel that my purpose is to be hot and have fun as I define it, then I'm just living in the moment and my age is less relevant. You know, I don't really give a shit what other people think. I definitely am still like unpacking a lot of internalized ageism or I have had to unpack a lot of internalized ageism. And I think that it's normal for that to come up because there's so many different triggers for it, but I'm able to manage it much better because I return to this concept. And, you know, maybe if, because I think that, yeah, like I said, like if you're freaking out about your quarter life crisis, I feel like that comes a lot from the way that we think we're being perceived by others and a sort of like ignorance or unwillingness to face what it is that we really want and to recognize the gap between where we're at and actually getting there. But I think that rather than focusing so much on the gap, it's like focusing on what you have already and then the steps that you can take towards getting what you want. And the tools and strategies that you can apply in order to remove the anxiety you have around whether or not you're going to achieve something because especially when it comes to things like being in a relationship or having children of course for women especially like the biological clock plays a role but if you're stressed about having a baby or like coming from like a scarcity mindset when it comes to dating it's only going to make it harder for you to get what you want because you're not in the right mindset to truly receive something that's going to be in line with a healthy relationship or like pregnancy that comes easily rather than being so stressed out that you can't even conceive because your body is in like a state of emergency i'll discuss that in the next episode but you're born to be hot and have fun okay define being hot and having fun as it applies to you and remember that in order to feel good about your life you need to develop healthy self-esteem and if you focus on that you will worry less about how other people perceive you you will worry less about how old you are and like whether or not that determines your value or not because everybody has inherent worth and value it's just this it's only when you see life and judge life through the framework of consumer capitalism, patriarchal nonsense, that we start to make these sorts of comparisons and then feel not worthy enough. But we don't have to live like that. Awareness gives you a choice in determining how you want to live your life, the type of person you want to be, and the level of slay that you'll experience. So thanks for tuning in to this episode. See you in the next part. Make sure you drink lots of water. Tell your friends and family that you love them. Love from me to you. Follow me on all the things. Send me questions and feedback. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye.